productivity isn't just about getting more work done, but it's about kind of reclaiming more time from your life. If you have a reoccurring task that routinely takes you twice as long to get done, if you're in a normal work state, let's say you're, you know, in the office, you might think, well, I'm just at work. I'm here from nine to five and you kind of let it go. You know, you can kind of let what's the physics thing, uh, the law that everything will fill the container that you give it. And that can happen very easily. But whenever you're motivated to shut down your laptop and go do something else, for me, it's traveling. I want to close the lid of my computer and go out for a walk in the along the Mediterranean. That's what I did this afternoon whenever I took a break. And whenever you're motivated, I feel like you kind of secretly get back all this little time in your life that used to just be kind of sucked into a kind of chasm of work time. In her book, Conversational Intelligence, Judith Glasser wrote, to get to the next level of greatness depends on the quality of our culture which depends on the quality of our relationships, which depends on the quality of our conversations. Everything happens through conversations. Welcome to Conversations, powered by Quantivos. Welcome to this episode of Conversations. I'm Brian Gorman, your host and a co-chair at Quantivos. And our guest today is Kayla Ireg. Kayla is author of How to Be a Digital Nomad, Build a Successful Career While Traveling Around the World. And that is what Kayla is doing. She's coming to us, joining us from Croatia. So welcome, Kayla. Thanks so much for having me, Brian. As I mentioned before we, we started recording, I definitely want to talk about your journey as a digital nomad. And so many of your lessons are important to anyone who isn't sitting at a desk nine to five every day. So let's start a little bit with whatever took you out of Pennsylvania. Oh, wow. I left Pennsylvania out of, is boredom the right word? <laughs> I'm from Western PA originally, the Pittsburgh area, and I went to college in the area as well. And I just thought I want to see something else. So whenever I graduated, I moved to Seattle and spent a year there. And then I took a job in Chicago, moved to Chicago, spent a year on the corporate world. And uh, that's whenever I started seeing about these all kind of alternative lifestyles on Instagram where people were sharing that they worked remotely and they lived out of their van or on a sailboat. And I, it was really this portal into a world that I didn't know existed. And I was very interested in because I was afraid of, I wasn't in love with my job. I liked it. I didn't love the industry. I was in architecture. Somebody asked me one day, what do you love most about architecture? And in a moment of like over honesty, I said, I don't even really like architecture. <laughs> it was like my third week on the job. And I thought, oh, is this going to be it? I'm going to just kind of stay somewhere that's okay because I'm afraid to keep looking for the one, you know, kind of the, the job that gives me everything. And I found freelance writing work online and I set off, I uh, got rid of my apartment in 2017 and set off traveling. And I've been abroad most of the time ever since. So you immediately touched on something that I think is so important. So many of us spend a lifetime working so that we can enjoy our time off. Yeah. What is important to you about working differently than that? I was afraid that I wouldn't have time 
down the road to do everything I wanted to do. My last year of college, seven people in my life died. So I was exposed to a lot of loss in sequence. Um, and I thought a lot about my Aunt Jane. She was counting down the days to retirement for like two years. And then one day she walked out of work and got hit by a car in the parking lot. And I just felt like, wow, I have no idea if I'll be able to do what I want down the road or you know, I can't I can't postpone wanting to enjoy myself. And if other people have their job, get get more from their job. I saw other people who were doing this. They were able to get what they wanted now. Then uh, I could at least try, because if I was being honest with myself at the time, I wasn't trying. I would have just told you, well, I can't get my dream job or something. But I wasn't trying to. And that was a bit of an eye opener for me. So Kayla sets out on the road, so to speak. One of the early quotes in the book is, remote work allows you to experiment with different lifestyles without consequence or risk. What do you mean by that? I mean that a lot of people dream, they think, in my best, my best life, I would live by the beach, or I would try going abroad. I always dreamed of that. Or I would live in a big city. I always wanted to go to New York or try out this different alternative lifestyle. And it takes a lot of capital to make those things happen. And whenever you're not sure if it's for you and beyond visiting, let's say your, your big dream is to move to New York City, you can normally visit on vacation and see if you like it there. That's very temporary. But if you work online, you're able if you work remotely, you can go and stay for a month and see what it's like. You don't have to rent and sign a one year lease on an apartment or buy a cabin in the woods or go off grid. You can tap into this kind of shared economy. There's a lot of sharing economy systems we have. The obvious examples are Airbnb and Uber. Actually, Airbnb is no longer in New York City, so this example is unraveling a little bit, but uh, there's a lot of things that you have access to try without having to go all in on the investment. I want to move into the work part a little bit here. Yeah. Um, and again, quoting from How to Be a Digital Nomad, successfully managing your inbox workload and relationships will become second nature as your stability teeters on them flourishing. And we're going to dig into this a little bit more with some other things you talk about in the book, but this was certainly a challenge when such a vast portion of the workforce found themselves suddenly at home. And you spend a lot of time talking about the importance of organization and, and you have a, a section on the hidden need for productivity. What are some of your key lessons around all of that stuff? Productivity isn't just about getting more work done, but it's about kind of reclaiming more time from your life. If you have a reoccurring task that routinely takes you twice as long to get done, if you're in a normal work state, let's say you're, you know, in the office, you might think, well, I'm just at work. I'm here from nine to five and you kind of let it go. You know, you can kind of let what's the physics thing, uh, the law that everything will fill the container that you give it. And that can happen very easily. But whenever you're motivated to shut down your laptop and go do something else, for me, it's traveling. I want to close the lid of my computer and go out for a walk in the along the Mediterranean. That's what I did this afternoon whenever I took a break. And whenever you're motivated, I feel like you kind of secretly get back all this little time in your life that used to just be kind of sucked into a kind of chasm of work time. I have actually given up talking about work-life balance. Uh, yeah. <laughs> because it isn't real. 
Um, what you're talking about, I think, is work-life blending, or as a few people have told me, I need to reverse that, and it's life-work blending. Yeah. Really integrating those different aspects in your life in a way that, yes, meets whatever is expected of you on the job, whatever that means, but also what else is important to you. Yeah, absolutely. You talk a little bit in the book about burnout. And again, because your focus is on your life as a digital nomad, you talk about burnout as a digital nomad. But the lesson that you share is still important. When it hits, it's time to identify which aspects of the lifestyle are giving you energy and which are taking energy. How do you figure that out? I think you have to be really honest with how you're feeling kind of moment to moment with whatever you're engaging with. I think a really easy example is social media. Sometimes you pick up social you pick up your phone and open up social media and you feel relaxed. You're laughing, you're seeing friends, you're entertained and it's a positive cycle. And sometimes you if you're tuned you know having this feedback loop with yourself, sometimes you feel a lot of negative things. And being able to tune in and listen to yourself and say, this is taking energy from me right now. And then seeking out alternatives and looking for that everywhere in your life is the, your workspace that you have. Is that giving you energy or taking, or maybe you could say focus, is that helping you focus or is it hurting you? And looking around at how many things in your life are maybe having negative impacts that you you don't realize. Digital nomadism is a pursuit of heightened intentionality and increased mindfulness about how you spend your time. On a micro level, productivity improvements help ensure your job and your income. On the macro level, you should be motivated to improve productivity so that you can close your laptop sooner and experience as much of life as possible. Yeah, it's something that we struggle with, though, don't we? A lot of us struggle to close the computer. It sounds so obvious in a way. Close your computer, walk away from the screens, and go do something. Go throw yourself into life. But it's hard sometimes. I think it's hard a lot of times for many people. That's something I came across a lot in my research. People struggle to put work away. I have been working outside of a formal office since 19... 95. And when I started, I needed a separate room with a door with a separate phone line that I could turn the ringer off. And I struggled to walk past that door and not open it up and go check the email, et cetera, et cetera. Today, I'm in a different apartment. I'm sitting in a corner of my living room. And at any moment when I don't have something I have to be doing, I can walk across the room sit down, put my feet up, kick back, take a 20-minute nap. At the end of the day, just mute the ding of the emails and walk away. There's so much of finding this dynamic in our lives that allows us to integrate and separate that's inside of us. The story that I can't go past, walk past my computer without checking email is a story. And, you know, what I work with my clients about is change that story. You talk at one point about the idea of commuting home yeah, from working virtually. And again, that was such an issue for so many of my clients early in the whole world of COVID, where they'd say, I fall out of my bed into my desk chair 
and I fall out of my desk chair back into my bed. And if that's you as a listener, if that's you, what did you used to do? Did you used to walk to the bus stop? Did you used to get on the subway and listen to a podcast? Did you sit down and read the newspaper? Did you walk somewhere? Bring that back in and, and it recreates that psychological separation that is so important. You know, I had clients who would literally walk around the block and end up 10 feet away from where they were, quote, at the end of the workday or 10 feet away from where they were when they finished breakfast. But there's something valuable about that transition space psychologically. And everyone struggles with it, I think. I have, I interviewed a lot of people for my book, and I know a lot of remote workers, and I have never met anyone who this came naturally to, even productivity experts who are published authors on the topics, and they struggled with putting it away and knowing when to work and when to walk away. Overworking and underworking are really, it's a really tough balancing act. And I think, I know I thought, well, maybe I just can't figure it out. It's me. I'm the problem. And realizing that it was something that everyone struggled with made me realize that it was a puzzle like anything else that could be solved. Experiment, right? Yeah. One of the, um, correct me if I'm wrong, Kayla, you're a freelancer, correct? Yes. Yeah. One of the things that I so often hear from corporate leaders is we need people in the office. That's how we build culture. That's how we build community, so forth and so on. You talk about the importance of having that community, and you have that community as a freelancer. Oh, yeah. Who's literally all over the world. How do you build and sustain a virtual community? You can start on LinkedIn today. There's a lot of people on LinkedIn looking to make friends, colleagues, you know, build their connections with people who are prop in every industry and in every position. I think that on a micro level, you just have to get onto a platform, any platform where you know people are active and looking to make genuine connections. And then you need to put yourself out there and engage with what other people are sharing. And then stay in touch, re respond to messages. I'm a big believer in scheduling emails to keep in touch with people. Um, if someone has a birthday in three months from now, schedule an email, schedule a check-in. If you think, oh, I really want to check in with, you know, we've all had so many calls where we say, let's do this again. Let's catch up soon, like in a month. And then, you know, you're both going to forget. Schedule an email. Use technology to make your life easier so that you can make these relationships more sustainable. What are some of your other technology tips Again, whether I'm a digital nomad or whether I'm just working a thousand miles away from the office. Spreadsheets to track everything. Um, a note taking or project tracking to-do list. I think having a digital one is really valuable. Having something that's all that you can always or something that you always take with you one way or another. For me, I use GoodNotes as a daily planner. Um, feel like that's that's my second brain <laughs> with all of my with my whole life in there and everything that I do operates on a spreadsheet with tabs it's I have a spreadsheet or a google sheet for every project and then every aspect of the project is broken down into pages and then I break down the timeline and the deadlines within uh, onto like a calendar that's how I wrote my whole book I scheduled it in like an hour I took the outline and then I took the number of months that I or the number of weeks that I had to write and I broke the whole book down by word counts. Um, it was just a bit of a myth. It was like just a little math and then put it down. And then I wrote the whole book following that schedule. 
So I'm thinking of all the people that I know that hear what you're saying and say, that's too much work. It's so much more work if you don't keep track of everything. If you have to remember, oh, I need to send someone that email on the seventh of the month, or I need to, you know, make sure I meet all these deadlines, or or maybe people don't have as many moving pieces. Not everyone needs to get into your spreadsheets and trackers, but it doesn't have to feel as strenuous as it does. I think Trello is a really good tool for people who are more visual. Some people find your spreadsheet and they want to run away. But Trello's very <laughs> visual. Are you familiar with Trello? I'm familiar with Trello. I actually use um, a, a platform called Kanban Flow. Okay. And you set it up very much like a spreadsheet. So I have swim lane for the podcast. Let's, let's stick with the podcast. And for each podcast, is there a book to read? What do I need to do in terms of preparation for the podcast? I need to record the podcast. I need to review the recording to make notes for the production company. I need to review the final product. So all of those are subtasks under that podcast. And is it waiting to begin? Is it in process? Is it something that I have to do this week? Is it something I have to do today? Is it done? So it takes work to get set up. And it is so helpful in terms of keeping on track. Yeah. And moment of appreciation for how much work you put into the show, because it's a lot behind the scenes. <laughs> Thank you. We're going to have to wrap up in just a few minutes. But before we do, I really want to ask you to share some digital nomad stories, because we haven't spent a whole lot of time on that important piece of your life that really gave you the wisdom that you're sharing with, with us today. Any genre of story? Any genre of story. Um, oh my. You met your husband on the road. I did, yeah. I met my husband in Guatemala. Uh, we were both in Spanish school, and um, yeah, we were both backpacking. Just, I didn't have a plan. He was moving south through Latin America, and um, I was bartending. I did a little work exchange as I traveled, sometimes to lighten the cost so you can do a task for a business and they'll like let you stay there for free. So I was bartending for a hostel and I met these two Canadian guys who said, oh, we're driving to El Salvador tomorrow in our van. Do you want to come? And I said, can I bring somebody? And they said, sure. Yeah, we have a bunch of seats. And I had just met my husband. I said, hey, I'm going to El Salvador tomorrow. Do you want to come? And he said, okay. And then the next day, hey, do you want to go to Honduras? Sure. Or a week later, and a week, two weeks later, I think I'm going to go to Nicaragua. You want to come? <laughs> we just ended up saying yes, and we have not separated. <laughs> and he is not South American. No, he's Dutch. Yeah. So I, after we made it south to Peru, and then um, his dad was ill, and he said, well, I have to go back to the Netherlands and I, I want you to come. But and I told him, I can come. I work online, you know, I can. And I didn't have a lot of freelance business at the time. I was getting into some credit card debts. There were very much low points. This was not just like a straight shot. But I told him I can work from I can find a way to work from anywhere. I can build up my freelance business again. And uh, I moved to the Netherlands and ended up getting like immigrating and getting Dutch nationality in uh, about a year ago and now we're traveling around Europe right now and yeah we've had some funny moments together one time on a woman on a bus asked him for help and he just said yes he didn't understand her because he he speaks we speak a little Spanish he speaks more than I do 
And she just panicked and said, yeah, of course, sure. And then she turned around and handed him a goat and walked away. <laughs> and he was just standing there with this goat like, oh, my gosh. And then and then she went and she got some other things. And and then she came back and said, thank you, and took the goat back. And it's just one of those funny, you kind of say yes to everything whenever you are unsure. Any last tips for people in terms of finding that blend of life and work? Find something immediately after work that you're really genuinely excited about that is going to compel you to put work away and go enjoy yourself. Plans with friends, uh, commitment to uh, do a dance class, something. It can't be like going to the gym if you don't really like that. It can't be uh, punishment. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Exercises. Great. But uh, it has to be something that is really pulling you forward. You know, it has to be the carrot, not always the stick that motivates you. Kayla, Eric, thank you so much for this conversation. Thank you so much for having me, Brian.